This is episode one of Hidden Christian Questions, where we take the hidden questions about Christianity and throw them into the spotlight. Today's question is, why hasn't Jesus come back yet? Uh, What about the apocalypse, Uh, the second coming? Why has it not happened? So uh, if you've grown up in Christian circles, you know that asking this kind of a question, uh, it's sort of taboo, you know, and frowned upon. You know, only the crazy people, the people who are completely, you know, cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs, uh, the ones that start cults, you know, only they are the ones that try to guess when the apocalypse happens. And as it turns out, every single one of their predictions, you know, up until this point in time, they've all been wrong. But at the same time, most Christian circles also seem to think that the end of days, that the second coming, that it's soon, you know, that it's near. Uh, especially uh, in more conservative uh, Christian circles. But I would wager, at least to the best of my knowledge, this is the majority of Christians. And this feeling that, you know, Jesus is coming back soon, um, that we can know this, that we can see it uh, because of the signs of the times, because there's certain things that are happening around us. You know, every earthquake, uh, every war or natural disaster, uh, it shows just how soon it's all going to happen, the end of the world. So you better shape up, make sure that you're on good terms with God. You know, most Christians aren't uh, very necessarily vocal about this, about rooting for this, about rooting for bad things, because, you know, it really does seem mean-spirited in a way. But uh, I would wager that a lot of Christians think like this, even just mildly in the back of their head. Uh, Because the honest truth is, I know that I think like this. I think like this too. You know, when stuff like coronavirus happens and deteriorating world relations and when we hear of famines and wars, a lot of us, myself included, have this tiny little grain of hope, you know, in the back of our heads that maybe, you know, this is what finally will prompt Jesus to come back again. You know, this practice of thinking about and trying to predict the apocalypse, hoping for it to come soon, it's not something that's new or exclusive to us nowadays. There's actually a ton of people in the Bible that think like this too, like Paul, Peter, John, and Jesus himself. You know, all who talk about the end of the world uh, and when it's supposed to happen. But the interesting thing is, and this is where the question for today comes from, this is the confusing part for me, is that whenever Jesus or Paul or anyone else talks about the second coming in the Bible, they make it seem like it's going to happen or that it is happening really soon. And this happens in a lot of verses with a lot of different authors. And there's ways to interpret all of these verses that make it seem like Jesus is coming soon. Uh, And we're going to talk about those shortly, you know, after we read a few of those verses. But let's go ahead and just take a look at some of the scriptures I'm talking about. And let's try to understand them at face value uh, and understand why people do come up with this feeling uh, or this, you know, sentiment, this notion that the second coming is coming soon, that Jesus is coming back soon. So this is uh, 1 Thessalonians 4, uh, chapter 4, verses 15 through 17. This is Paul talking. For this we declare to you by a word from the Lord, that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we 
who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. Here's another one from Paul. This is 1 Corinthians 10, chapter 10, verses 11. Now these things happened to them as an example, but they were written down for our instruction on whom the end of the ages has come. Uh, and Paul continues later on in 1 Corinthians, uh, this is chapter 15, verses 50 through 52. He says this, I tell you this, brothers, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit what is imperishable. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we shall be changed. So if you remember all three of these verses, in the first Thessalonian verse, it says, we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up. Now imagine if you're someone that, you know, Paul wrote this letter to, a part of the church in Thessalonica, and you read those words, what, what are you thinking? Also in the, the two verses in 1 Corinthians that we read, um, I'm repeating the section again, our instruction, for our instruction, on whom the end of the day, ages has come. The second one, we shall not sleep, not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. If you're, a, if you're someone in that church of Corinth, what, what's that going to make you be thinking when Paul says, this is all for our instruction on whom the end of the ages has come? He says, not all of us will fall asleep. Not all of us will die uh, when the second coming comes. In all three, these three verses, Paul makes it pretty clear that he expects some of the people that he's writing to will still be alive when Christ returns in his glory. I mean, this makes, this really fits Paul's uh, rhetorical purpose also when he's encouraging the churches he's writing to to live a holy life. It makes it that much more important. I mean, who wants to be, you know, in the middle of sinning uh, when Jesus returns in his glory? And it seems like I don't want to single Paul out because he didn't have this kind of expectation of an imminent return. He didn't have it on his own. There are verses also in 1 Peter, Revelation, and other books of the Bible that are composed by different authors where the expectation of the second coming is that Jesus, he will be returning very, very soon. It seems like everyone had this. Everyone thought this. And I don't think it's a coincidence that all of this, we can trace it back to the main man himself, Jesus. Uh, when we look at the Gospels, we read a lot of this same type of language, stressing, stressing imminency. Matthew uh, 24, chapter 24, verses 29 through 34 says, Immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. And the stars will fall from heaven and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then will appear in heaven the sign of the Son of Man. And then all the tribes of the earth will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he will send out his angels with a loud trumpet call, and they will gather his elect from the four winds, from one end of the heaven to the other. From the fig tree learn its lesson. As soon as its branches become tender and put out its leaves, you know the summer is near. So also when you see all these things, you know that he is near at the very gates Truly I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all these things have taken place. Now, just a few verses later, 
uh, Jesus states that no one knows the day or the hour that all of this, that this apocalyptic event of his second coming will happen. But that doesn't change the fact that Jesus still seems to think that it's going to be soon. At least that's what it seems like he's saying. Uh, and also, if we look at day, the, the word day and the word hour, both of those are pretty small units of time. You know, Jesus didn't say that no one's going to know the age or the generation or the time period. No, he said no one knows the day or the hour, you know, not the week or the month. So he's insinuating, at least in my view, and most likely in the view of the early church, the people who were reading uh, these, these gospel letters and these letters from Paul, that it was going to happen during their generation. Now, Jesus, he was ambiguous on the specifics of the second coming as far as the time is concerned, but he pretty clearly alluded to a very soon and imminent return. Uh, we see this also continued outside of Matthew, both in Mark and Luke. Uh, I'm going to read from Luke 9 right now, Luke chapter 9, verses 26 through 27. For whoever is ashamed of me and of my words, of him this will the Son of Man be ashamed when he comes in his glory, in the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. But I tell you truly, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the kingdom of God. Imagine you are a follower of Jesus. You know that you're one of the early disciples, early church members, and you're reading the Gospels written by these disciples in the letters of Paul that are being passed around. What would you be thinking? Like I mentioned earlier, there are ways of interpreting away all of these Bible verses that, that distance Paul and Jesus from making it seem like the second coming is near. You know, perhaps Paul and Jesus are addressing not the church of Corinth and not, you know, the intended audience of, you know, the gospel of Matthew and Luke. Maybe they're addressing the universal Christian church that spans over all time. You know, and that the people that are still alive when the second coming happens that Jesus and Paul are referring to are the ones that are alive in the future whenever it does happen. You know, in the Bible verse that says generation, this generation won't pass away. Maybe the word generation means all Christian generations. And perhaps when Jesus is referring to the kingdom of God coming, he was talking about his transfiguration or the coming of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost. You know, these are just a few explanations that I've heard, that I've been taught, you know, that I used to personally hold to. And there's a lot of different ways that we can interpret these verses to distance Paul and Jesus from uh, a portrayal of a soon and an imminent second coming. You know, it's, it's a lot easier to make the Bible perfect in hindsight, but for a lot of people, uh, it just doesn't add up. It's a stretch. So we're left with the question, what if Paul and Jesus, or whoever wrote the words of Jesus in the Gospels, what if they were just wrong? I mean, the second coming hasn't happened yet. And the second sentiment that it is coming soon is just historically been proven false. I mean, if we put ourselves in a Jewish mindset, let's look at the very beginning of Jewish history. You know, the beginning of their religious uh, thinking. Uh, it would all start with the patriarch Abraham. You know, in most scholars, both conservative and liberal alike, 
uh, date Abraham's life to around 2000 BCE. Uh, the dates normally range between 1800 to 2100 BCE, but let's, it's roughly 2000 years uh, before Christ. Which means that when Jesus and Paul were alive, time itself, you know, the, the conception of time within their tribe uh, for all Jews, the event that they all oriented their whole lives, their timeline, their worldview around, it, time itself was 2,000 years old. You know, and guess what year it is today, folks? It's 2020. It's been more than 2,000 years since Jesus walked on this earth. You know, if you, that, that's not soon. That is not soon. If you told a Jew, you know, back then, a Jewish Christian, that it's going to be 2,000 years before the second coming of Christ, they would look at you like you're crazy because that's, that's a massive amount of time. That's an inconceivably large amount of time for a Jew. The thing is, during those 2,000 years, we've seen millions of people die from famine, from war, from abuse. You know, we've seen earthquakes and natural disasters of immense proportions. You know, we've seen a tremendous amount of evil and we continue to see it all around us. Jesus has not returned soon, at least by our understanding. How are we supposed to comprehend all of this? We can refuse to accept the slew of interpretive escapes, which vary from verse to verse. But if we do that and we admit that Paul and Jesus' words regarding the second coming are somewhat off the mark, what does that mean? Is that a dangerous step to take? Now, what, it, what does it look like if we acknowledge that the Bible and the people in the Bible are sometimes mistaken? You know, that runs the risk of threatening the traditional view of faith, which holds that the Bible, the whole Bible, to always be true with no contradictions. For a lot of people, what is the point of being Christian if it doesn't provide you with all the answers that your heart desires? Personally, I do still believe in the second coming. You know, I hope for it with all of my heart, for an end to the suffering, to the tears, and to all of the pain. Is it coming soon? I don't know. How do we deal with this confusing element of soonness that is painfully present in the Bible? I'm not exactly sure. But I think that it's a good question to ask. It's a good question to ask as we continue to pray and long for an end to all that is evil in the world. Maranatha, come Lord, come.